0: message, and I'll be talking and jabbering and running off at the mouth, and she's back there waving, turn on your mic, turn on your mic, uh-oh, that means it's a dead battery, sister, that means I'm going to have to talk loud, <laughs> pardon me, thank you, sister, unfortunately I do for the recording, <laughs> anyway, sadly, talking about Thanksgiving, sadly, Thanksgiving Day has evolved into something Called Turkey Day. It's evolved into just another holiday where we get a couple of days off, where we gather together and we watch the Macy's Day Parade and we watch some football games. Can I get an amen? And we eat, and we eat, and we eat some more. On our menu, We ate butterball turkey and spiral-cut ham. We ate chicken and dressing and marshmallow-covered yams. We ate mashed taters and black-eyed peas. We ate corn on the cob and long string beans. We ate deviled eggs and sweet potato pie. And we ate all kinds of casseroles and anything else that looked good to our eye. Amen. It was a good day, and it was a good menu. But today... We're going to go back in time. We're going to go back in time, 3,000 years when the king of Israel, King David, shared another kind of Thanksgiving menu. He shared God's Thanksgiving menu. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 103, uh, I'm going to begin by reading the first nine verses of that chapter. In Psalm 103, David writes, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in mercy. He will not always strive with us, that is, accuse us, nor... Will he keep his anger forever? Did you notice when we began reading that Psalm 103 that David didn't say, Lord, bless me. Instead, he said, bless the Lord. David was not asking for one single thing in this Psalm that he wrote to the Lord. When David said, bless the Lord, what's he doing? He's proclaiming that God is worthy to be praised, that God is worthy to be thanked for providing his own with every single thing that we need in this life and in the life to come. David tells us that despite our challenges, he tells us that despite our difficulties, we are n- to forget not all God's benefits. So I wonder, Brother Bill, what benefits? What benefits are we not to forget? What benefits are we so to be so thankful for to God? Well, today, we are going to fill our plates from God's Thanksgiving menu. First of all, We're going to take our plates and we're going to put on there a heaping helping of forgiveness. Verse 3 said that we should bless the Lord who forgives all, say all, who forgives all your iniquities. Friend, we can be thankful for God's forgiveness for so many reasons. I want to give you four today. The first reason that we can be thankful for God's forgiveness is because God's love does not give you what you deserve. God's love does not give you what you deserve. Look in the 10th verse of Psalm 103, where the Bible says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. You see, friend, we deserve the penalty for sin. We deserve the penalty for sin, which is what? Say it. Death. You see, we deserve not only physical death for our sins. We also deserve spiritual death, eternal spiritual death for our sins. We deserve not only to be separated from God forever. But we deserve to never experience the fullness of God's love in heaven. But God's love does not give us what we deserve. We can also be thankful for God's forgiveness because God's love is great toward those who fear him. Look in verse 11 of Psalm 103. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy Toward those who fear him. Instead of giving us what we deserve. God displays mercy toward us. Instead of the eternal death that we deserve. We are offered the gift of eternal life. Instead of eternal separation from God. We are offered continual fellowship in his presence forever and ever and ever, But here's something else we can be thankful for God's forgiveness for. And that is that in Jesus, God's love separates us from our sins and holds them against us no more. Look in verse 12 of 103. As far as the east is from the west so far, he has removed our transgressions from us. That verse now is a source of confusion to a lot of people. See, a lot of people say that when you get saved, God just forgets your sins. But God's love doesn't forget sin. God's love forgives sin. From eternity to eternity, God is the all-knowing one. God knows everything. He is the author of this book. He is the author of scripture. But in this book, he has breathed many records of sin. Do you remember that David was an adulterer? Do you remember that Abraham was a liar? Do you remember that Moses was a murderer? Do you remember that Paul killed Christians? Do you remember that Peter denied his Savior? So obviously God doesn't forget sins. But the bottom line is this. He's not a loving God because he forgets sin. He's a loving God because he doesn't hold forgiven sins against us, against his children. Simply put, for believers, forgiven sin is covered By the blood of Jesus Christ. When we believe in Jesus and God looks at you, all he sees, all he sees, is the sacrifice that his son made for you. I'm thankful that in Jesus, God's love separates me from my sins. But finally, we also need to be thankful for God's forgiveness for this reason. Because God's love remembers our human weaknesses. Look in verse 13 of Psalm 103. As a father pities his children, so the Lord pities those who fear him. For he knows our frame, and he remembers that we are dust. Back in verse 3, David said that God heals all of our diseases. But did you know that sin is a disease? Sin is a disease. It is an affliction. It is an infirmity that, that it comes against every one of us. It's something that we are all susceptible to. And sin affects every single part of all of our lives. But why would we call sin a disease? Well, Like a disease, sin destroys. Sin destroys our moral beauty. But like a disease, sin also brings pain. It brings pain in the form of broken relationships. Sin brings pain in the form of broken fellowship with God. But like a disease, sin also disables us. It disables us from serving the Lord effectively like we should. And finally, sin leads to death. Sometimes physical death. But most always spiritual death if it's not forgiven. But I want to say thank you today to Dr. God. Amen. The greatest physician. I want to say thank you, Lord, who has the remedy for this dreaded disease. He has the remedy for it. What is that remedy? It's a healthy dose of forgiveness. And it's available for the asking. Forgiveness is so important. So I can tell you, if you are sick with sin, if you are sick with that dreaded disease, the doctor will see you now and give you that dose of forgiveness that you are in need of. See, our... our Our doctor is also our maker, and he remembers that we're made of dust. He remembers that he has compassion on us, knowing how frail our mind is, knowing how frail our body is. He knows all about you. He knows you mentally. He knows you emotionally. He certainly knows you spiritually, and he knows you physically. He knows all about you. And that's good news for some. But it's bad news for others. Because not only is God our doctor. Not only is he our psychologist. Not only is God our counselor. Not only is he our priest. But God is also our judge. We must deal with. With our sin problem. We must deal with our sin problem. And the only way you can. Is to receive a heaping helping. Of forgiveness. But there's something else I want from this menu. And that is. I want a jumbo helping of redemption. From he according to verse 4. Who redeems my life from destruction and crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies. You see, not only does God forgive and heal today, but he also delivers us from an eternal life of pain and suffering. That word there in verse 4 that's translated redeems is a word you need to understand. That word redeems expresses deliverance of people who have been sold into slavery as a result of outstanding debt. Now, I want to get into your financial business a little bit here for a second, and I want to ask you to raise your hand if you have any outstanding debt whatsoever. I'll start. Anybody else got any outstanding debt? Most of us do. How would you like it? If somebody came and stamped your bill paid, I would like that, amen? That would be good news. That's the idea behind this word redeem. Let me illustrate further. A little boy named Tommy had built a toy boat, and he took his toy boat to the edge of a river. He carefully placed his boat in the water, and he slowly let the string out that was holding it. And as the boat was sailing smoothly, suddenly a strong current grabbed hold of that boat and it started forcing him against the string, and then finally that string broke. Tommy ran along the sandy shore as fast as he could, but it wasn't long until the boat slipped completely out of sight. Now, all afternoon, Tommy searched. Searched and searched for his boat, and finally it was just too dark and he couldn't find it, and he had to go home. A few days later, Tommy was on his way home from school, and he spotted a boat just like his in a store window. And so when he got closer, he could see, sure enough, that was his boat. It was his boat in the window. He saw the hammer marks. He saw the scratch marks on the hull. He knew it was his boat. And so Tommy hurried in, and he went to the store manager, and he said, Sir, that's my boat in the store window. I made it. And the store manager said, Son, I'm sorry, but somebody else brought that boat in here for us to sell today. And if you want that boat, you're going to have to buy it for a dollar. And so Tommy turned around, and he ran home, and he started counting out all of his change. You're not going to believe how much it was. One dollar. So he took his change and ran back to the store and he went up to the manager and he said, here's the money for my boat. And as he left the store, Tommy hugged his boat. He hugged his boat and now he said, now you're twice mine. First I made you and then I bought you. Friend, if you ever think That you're not much in the eyes of God. If you ever think that you're not worth much. You just remember what God thinks of you. First he made you. And then he bought you. First you're his because God made you. Second you're his because he bought you on the cross. He paid the price to redeem you. And the Bible says that God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ, the son of God, died for us. Christ paid the price that we were supposed to pay. And that price was death. So as believers, we've received a generous heaping helping of forgiveness. But we've also received a jumbo helping of redemption. But all that leads to one more thing. And that is a double helping of satisfaction. Look in verse 5 of Psalm 103. Talking about God who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Friends, this is the banana pudding of God's Thanksgiving menu. Can I tell you that? This is what you've been waiting for. This is the dessert. And only believers can be filled with this kind of satisfaction and only God can give it to you. He gives us satisfaction. Now, the Hebrew word for satisfaction is the word saba, And that word saba expresses this idea of being filled. Filled to overflowing. And it appears... 96 times in the Old Testament. You see, back in the Old Testament days, there were times where food was hard to come by. And so God not only promises food, but he promises good food. And he doesn't only promise good food, but he promises to be filled with good food. Saba. Satisfied. Now, of course, David was referring to spiritual Food, Spiritual food of provision and forgiveness and redemption and the mercy of God. But friends, God continues to satisfy your soul by giving you a life to enjoy. But also, he gives you that life. He gives you that life so that you can be a blessing to other people. And I'm afraid that sometimes that's where we miss the boat. We think, oh, I've been given life. I've been given a redeemed life. I've been given new life. I've been born again. Thank you, Lord, for giving me life. But we forget that he gave you life so that you could be a blessing to somebody else. Jesus called it the abundant life. And he gave his life so that you could have it. He gave his life so that you could be blessings to other people. And I just want to tell you, friend, that life is too short to live a dissatisfied life. Look in verse 15 of Psalm 103. For as for man, his days are like grass. As a flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone. And its place remembers it no more. Satisfaction. How many of you people remember that old rock and roll song, I Can't Get No Satisfaction? Raise your hand. Y'all are a bunch of sinners. Amen. Listen to that garbage. Amen. Hey man, I'm a Stones fan, so I can't say nothing. Anyway, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. It's the theme of so many people's life. They're never satisfied. They are never satisfied. And I can tell you, friend, apart from Jesus Christ, you can never be completely satisfied. Although many have tried. A couple Sunday nights ago, I mentioned the billionaire Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes was once the wealthiest man in the world. Howard Hughes died at an age of 70 with fame, with fortune, and everything that this world had to offer. His estate probated at 2.5 billion, say billion. That's billion with a B. 2.5 billion dollars is what Howard Hughes was worth. But he was rarely seen in the last 20 years of his life. He spent his final years mostly in his pajamas. Now that may sound appetizing to some of y'all. But he spent the final years of his life in his pajamas, living on fudge and cake. Now, that may sound appetizing to some of y'all. But here's what it led to. When Howard Hughes died, he weighed 90 pounds and was suffering from malnutrition. $2.5 billion. Yet he was not satisfied. If only Howard Hughes knew, if only all of us knew that it's not what you've got, it's who you got. Your life could be different. It doesn't sound like Howard Hughes died a very satisfied man. And I can tell you today that it sounds like he's not very satisfied now either. It's only life in Christ that leads to a satisfied life today and tomorrow. I want to give you one more little bit that you need to know about because satisfaction is important in our lives. But satisfaction, according to this psalm, tells us that there are few responsibilities that we must accept. If we're going to be satisfied. Look again. Back to Psalm 103 in verse 17. But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. On those who fear him. And his righteousness to his children's children. To such as keep his commandments. and to those who remember His commandments to do them. So we have some responsibility to living a satisfied life. What are they? First of all, you got to fear God. What does that mean? That means you must revere Him. You must worship Him. He must hold first place in your life. He must be your primary priority. You must fear God. Two, we must keep his covenant. For people today, that covenant has been given to you and I through Jesus Christ. We must accept and believe that Jesus is who he said he is and that he did what he said he did. He is the son of God. And he died as a sacrifice on the cross for all the sins, past, present, and future of humanity. And when you believe this, when you believe this with all your heart, by faith, you are accepting the new covenant that God created for your benefit. We must fear God to live a satisfied life. We must keep the covenant if we want a satisfied life, but we must also remember His commandments. Now this is really... Where the rubber hits the road. This is really where believing comes into play. This is the believing part of faith. Because if you're listening to say amen. You show what you believe by how you remember his commandments. You show what you believe by how these truths have changed your life. If the truth of God has not changed your life, don't come telling me that you believe. Because your life is saying otherwise. You show what you believe by how these truths have changed your life. When you truly know Christ, when you truly know Him, it's incredible how much simpler it is to remember and to do God's commandments but many people don't really know Christ and so they find themselves in this constant struggle with the world they find themselves in this constant struggle with the flesh the spiritual and the fleshly the heavenly and the worldly are in a constant battle with one another and one of the big reasons is is because they don't really know Christ Remember, friends, that according to verse 19, the Lord has established His throne in heaven, and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength and who do His word, heeding the voice of His word. Bless the Lord, all you His hosts, you ministers, you servants of His, who do His pleasure, Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. That verse that I shared over the the offering said, whatever you do, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Thanksgiving Day is not Turkey Day. Thanksgiving is a special day like all the other 364 days of the year to thank God for his provision for you, for his forgiveness offered to you, for his redemption offered to you, and also for our satisfaction. So since you've already enjoyed your Thanksgiving meal, why not help yourself to the banquet table of Christ? And forget not all his benefits, and bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Now, as the deacons come forward, one way that Christians forget not forget not all his benefits is go ahead. Have a one way that the Christians forget not all of his benefits is by partaking in the Lord's supper. The menu at the Lord's Supper is incredibly simple. It's bread and juice. But those two things are symbolic of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Why are those two elements so important? Why is the body and the blood so important? Well, it was Christ's body and his blood that secured your salvation. Had he not given his body, had he not shed his blood, you would have no hope. So as the deacons now come to distribute the bread, listen to what the scriptures tell us. The scriptures tell us that Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper to remind all of us of everything that he gave so that we might have a relationship with him. He gave his life so that we would would remember that we could have a relationship with his father so that we could be born again, so that we could be forgiven of all of our sins, and also so that we could live eternally in heaven. Now 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24 says that Christ himself bore our sins on his own body on the cross. That we having died to sin might live for righteousness. Whose stripes we are healed. Friends, listen for a second. Listen for a second. Would you take this opportunity right now in your own private space to thank God, to thank Jesus for this incredible gift that he gave his body. You just be praying silently as the bread is being distributed. Let us pray. Father, we come to you humbly this morning just to give you thanks for being here with us. Father, most of all this morning, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, now bless this bread as we prepare to take it. Help us always remember the sacrifice that Jesus made for us by giving his body, by shedding his blood on our behalf so that someday we can have a home with you. That in him, in Jesus, we are redeemed, get this, through his blood. Say that. Through his blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. My prayer is for you. Is you will take this opportunity to thank the Lord for shedding his own blood for you. You be in prayer. Thank you. Father in heaven, we come to you this morning, Lord, just to tell you that we love you and thank you, Lord, for being so merciful to us, Lord. We just thank you so much for what you did on the cross, Lord, that this blood symbolizes, that you gave for our sins, Lord, that we might live with you forever, Lord. We pray that everyone in this building is worthy to partake of it, Lord. We. Pray these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.